Good morning and welcome to the Mr. Relevant Podcast. It is Monday, March 8th, and we're here to talk about a number of Washington, D.C. sports-related topics, as well as perhaps WandaVision. It's Matt Turrell. Hey, Matt. Hey, Jamie. How are you? I'm good. This is our first pod in a month. We've fallen into a little monthly off-season cadence. I think it suits us. I think it's a great uh, battle rhythm, man. I just feel like we're ready to fight. A great battle rhythm. I don't think I've ever heard that term. Oh, yeah. It's something people keep saying in, in, in my work area, and it confuses me every time. But whatever. Oh, that is such good work jargon. Yeah. <laughs> I lo- love it. Love some good jargon. That's great. Well, the last pod, for those who didn't hear it, uh, we ran through all the Washington QB options, uh, and I do mean all of them. Uh, I think the only name off the board since that last conversation was Carson Wentz. And and obviously Washington uh, hasn't added a quarterback, so the, the conversation is still relevant. If I'm thinking back to it, we were both pretty uh, firmly on board with Alex Smith not coming back. There was no no fuzziness there. No, and uh, what a relief to have been correct on that. Because if we were wrong on that one, this next season would be a real off to a real bad start. That was a funny, it was, it was interesting to see the reaction to that. I mean, from a Washington fan, it was either a foregone conclusion or something that you're, you're wanting to happen. Like you're thankful for Alex Smith's contributions and efforts and incredibly admirable and whatever the dude's a legend, but also like, no, we're good. We're good here. We don't want him being quarterback anymore. The national response seemed to be like, oh, well, Washington went and fucked it up again how could they treat this guy like like crap and and cut him i i just saw too much of that sort of like response to the news uh for my liking well the whole thing that was really baffling to me was locally there were a lot of people who were like how will alex smith be remembered in dc and i'm like he won't i mean i i don't <laughs> I, I don't expect like how how is I can't even think of someone because by definition, I can't remember them. But, you know, how is like Tony Banks remembered in D.C.? How is, you know, how dare Kent, you? Kent Graham remembered in D.C.? Who cares? Wait like, a minute, Kent Graham played for D.C.? I have no idea. Maybe. Okay. You're going to have to Google this. I think I'm like, is there a Washington quarterback I forgot? Well, there's probably several, but didn't he? I, I'm Googling this. Please proceed. But I uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Point is, like, I, I don't. I mean, the Alex Smith story was a good story while it was happening. His comeback was, yeah, he played. Kent Graham played for the Redskins. Thank yeah, he, he, threw, he threw 19 passes in 2001. I had forgotten. Yes. See? <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you even doing here, bro? Um, so, no. So, I just, it was a good story while it was happening. Uh, seeing him recover was a, it's a tremendous Alex Smith story. But as a Washington story, I, I find it to be, totally a nothing. I mean, even this last year where his comeback should have been the story of the story, I think we all leave. And Taylor Heineke, uh, you know, is the, I don't know, the last, the last taste in our mouths. That sounds absolutely horrible, but you know what I mean? Like that was the lasting impression from the season was like, Hey, Taylor Heineke, right? That was crazy. He did more in one game than Alex Smith did in three years. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm on one, on one hand, I'm saying Alex Smith is going to be remembered as a legend. On the other hand, you're saying he's, you know, Kent Graham status. I, I think the reason he is a legend regardless is like coming back from that injury. It is unprecedented. It's an incredible story. It might be a movie someday. They might name the comeback player of the year award after him. That's like a not wildly unreasonable thing to even suggest. So he is a legend from a national perspective. You didn't have to deal with like, you know, having 
you know, acquiring a franchise quarterback, giving him franchise quarterback money, and then basically not having one for three years. You know, like they, you don't, from a national standpoint, you have to deal with any of the, the, the shittiness of that, the shitty ramifications of that. All you get to, to focus on is the, the glory of the comeback. So, yeah, I think it's probably, from a national point of view, a, a different version of events. I, I do think it's wild that he ended his time in Washington as a QB starter with an 11 and five record during a period where the team went six and 26 in their other starts. I'll probably should be talking about that stat forever. Yeah, you're not wrong. Although there was no point where watching it felt like 11 and five. Like if you told me, if you, if you asked me to guess what the record was in the games he started, I, I would have been solid eight and eight. He just seemed like the most adequate but unremarkable starter that a team could possibly have. It's uh, kind of a weird, because you're totally right. He seemed like almost inadequate. <laughs> like yeah. It was like an <laughs> average to below average. But with him, they were 11 and five, which they haven't won 11 games since 1991 in a season. They were 11 and five with him. Without him, average season of three and 13. They've gone three and 13. <laughs> well, th- there's some real monkeys paw shit here where when yeah. they traded for Alex Smith, somebody was probably like, oh, if we can just go 11 and five with him, I will be happy with this trade. And like, yeah. whoops. <laughs> <laughs> well, so yeah, I mean, all the best to, to Alex Smith, but yeah, that, the only difference between our pod a month ago and now is Alex Smith confirmed not coming back and uh, Carson Wentz off the board. Well, there was a rumor, I don't know if it was a rumor, there was something I saw across Twitter yesterday that I didn't see get confirmed where uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was talking about retiring instead of just wandering around and finding another team, which, while it doesn't take one of the big names off the board, does take a, mm-hmm. a possible candidate off the board. Right. All right. Well, that's that's our pod for a month ago. Looking, uh, looking forward, I uh, wanted to whip around a few different topics. We might We might hit all four major pro DC sports teams here. Of course, starting with the football team. Uh, what do you want to say? What's your reaction to the junkies report that hit on on Friday with the uh, findings or recommendation from the NFL investigation into Snyder and the Washington football team? Well, it's interesting because I, I want so for people who didn't hear the allegedly the junkies got a copy of the Wilkinson report, or at least sections of it. And the top recommendation in it is that Snyder should uh, be forced to divest himself of his ownership. Uh, and if that doesn't work, there should be an extended suspension, I believe, of the owner. Um, yeah. uh, and so my obvious reaction, given that there's been no confirmation, the NFL put out a completely um, needlessly specific denial. And we never received, we haven't received the report yet. So like okay, sure. a non-denial denial. Right. Um, it's, it sounds too good to be true. I mean, that's my immediate reaction. Um, I mean, it's what we all want to hear, right? That's, right. That's literally what we all want to hear. Um, I, and it just seems so hard to believe that said, I don't know about you, but I trust the junkies. I know that for something like this, I know they're just a morning show. I know they're just, you know, goofy guys from you know Waldorf or wherever they're from, but like they, know a lot of things they talk to a lot of people and they usually don't say it they usually don't go ahead and they certainly don't stick their necks out like this like this is a big big swing um so the fact that they went with it uh i kind of trust where do you fall on that 
I love that this has become a referendum on the junkies journalistic integrity. Uh, I've, I've, that, that's, I, I was listening to the Kevin Sheehan, Tom Lavera podcast. They must've spent five minutes on like the credibility of the junkies. And that was just delightful. <laughs> I, was, well, I, I mean, wasn't expecting that. Well, I think you kind of have to though. Cause if yeah. you were, again, if you're out of market and you hear that some morning show in, you know, Cleveland, uh, has come up with this report and it's some called something stupid, like, you know, donkey right. head and, and the whatever, um, right. You don't give it any credence. What almost it, it does. I mean, I will say like actual respect to the junkies because that thought didn't really cross my mind. Like they're the number one sports talk show in the market. They've been there for like 25 years. I, it's, I, I know that they're not just flipping out, you know, really thin reports on major, on big topics. Uh, you know, so I kind of just trusted the source on this. I also find it delightful that the Wilkinson report started with Dan Snyder, like not because of his misdeeds, but I think it was commissioned by the Washington football team last summer. Um, and not that they had made, maybe had a bunch of a choice in the matter, but then as things snowballed, the NFL took it over. <laughs> so this is kind of like, uh, it could be perceived as ultimately like death at his own hand. Well, and doubly so, because what, what they are claiming is that the, re, the, the his biggest sin, according to the report, was attempting to obstruct people from participating in the report. Mm -hmm. And right. that's another classic cover-up thing. The report he started. Yes, correct. <laughs> in the name of transparency. And Wait report. a minute. I didn't know this was going to be a real report. Yeah. I, ah, man, I mean, you, you just, you want to believe it. Um, if you listen to the Sheehan thing, you know that one of Sheehan's big talking points is like, well, the owners will never vote him out because they're all like, what if they start digging into me? And, and right. to me, where that falls apart is you are assuming that all the owners are equally, it's just the, the, what Snyder does is just kind of like the same bad stuff that we all sort of halfway assume that all rich people do. Um, right. And I kind of think that Snyder might be an even not a less good person. And then like the example that Sheen especially yes. keeps using is uh, Bob Kraft from the Patriots who, you know, patronized a uh, massage parlor of ill repute. And for some reason, this Sheehan keeps comparing that uh, using a paid sex worker to a protracted history of running a toxic organization with, you know, misogyny and whatever else. Uh, it's not the same thing. It's a different thing. And I, I honestly think that most of the owners in the league are like, man, I've done some dumb stuff, but nothing like this because there's a reason this organization is viewed so badly and has consistently had such bad stuff happen. And most organizations don't, you know? Yeah. Well, I think he's next level, you know, like the, the craft example is one. You see other examples made on the suspension tip of owners being suspended, you know, whether it's George Steinbrenner or, um, Jim Irsay, I think, got it suspended after DUI. The Warriors, one of their owners, got suspended after shoving a fan, I think, or shoving a player. Was it shoving a player? Whatever it was, it, it, like, it wasn't like a violent act. Like, the guy got shoved. Um, and there's examples like this that are relatively, like, it seems sort of, you know, innocent <laughs> compared yeah. to widespread sexual harassment that affected both employees and media members over the course of years and lurid like nefarious cheerleader videos with the quote good bits for the owner like i just feel like snyder is so next level that there's not really much of a comparison 
It's not. And I think you hit on something there, which is that most owners who get suspended for stuff, it's a single acute act. It's they did something. There's right, a DUI. Right. There was an incident. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. And she and, and some others who talk about this in this way seem worried that there's not one incident bad enough to tip Snyder over. But I think that's the whole point. The whole point is that it's not an incident. It's a culture and an entire uh, organizational rot. Um so I don't know. I mean, what what do you think is going to happen? Do you you have any hope of this? Uh, I I do. I, I have no idea what's going to happen. I have hope. I I love that. Like, so I'm wearing my sell the team shirt, burgundy and gold. It's beautiful. Uh, but it, that almost is like generous at this point. Like that would be a, a good outcome if he were to be able to sell the team on his own. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's like without being forced to. Like this has got to be how how miserable must this be? How miserable must he be? I know he's rich and that helps, but everybody hates him. Like even just this report leaking at all, and then and then the the media's willingness to share it, like you know, especially the media like you know one hundred six seven the fan. Uh, it, it just seems like such a lonely and sad place. Uh, I think I think all indications are that this is trending towards him you know being removed or forced to divest and we will within the span of roughly a year gotten rid of the worst team name in pro sports and the worst owner it would be better than the super bowl wins i think (laughs) from a certain perspective (laughs) well i can't we can't be you know 14 again and basking in the glory of, of uh, all that nostalgia. But yeah, I hear you. I think it'll be, I think it'll be similar. How great would it be? And hopefully uh, one of the local talk radio, the junkies perhaps will, will organize this. They should do a parade as if we won the Super Bowl downtown. Uh, if Snyder's forced to sell the team, they should literally uh, shut down streets, get a permit and run an entire parade. Um, and then we will feel 14 again. I, I think it's weird looking at it. I was, I forget who I was talking to about this. Talking to somebody By the way, that sounds incredibly problematic, like a confluence of potentially problematic issues, like a Washington football team, anti-Snyder downtown parade. Yeah. I, I just, I feel like that wouldn't go well. Okay, well, maybe we could hold it in Loudoun County. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I'm going to party. Don't get me wrong. It's a good call. All right, we'll, we'll do it in one Loudoun. It's a good plan. Um, one Loudoun, okay. I do, I do feel like there's, it's really fascinating how clearly, like, okay, so there was also the whole thing over the weekend we didn't touch on about how there's, uh, the team has allegedly been using um, bots uh, on Twitter to post, you know, uh, tweets of support in favor of, you know, the recent changes and the owner and whatever else. And there's just things like this that feel like the Snyder run team of the last two decades. And then there's other things they do where I guess it's the Rivera led stuff, maybe, or I mean, maybe you want to give credit to Jason Wright or somebody, I don't know, but, but there's, there's so clearly two parallel tracks the organization is on. And one of them is just the worst. And one of them is actually seems pretty impressive and good. And it's so weird how little they have in common and how little overlap there is between them. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, other than on, on the football side, other than not having a quarterback, no big deal. Uh, things are pretty rosy. Well, I, I think I heard, actually, I should Google this before I say it. Did I hear that Paul Kelly um, was let go? He was, he's not somebody who, yeah. So Paul Kelly and, and Anders um, 
who was somebody that I knew when he was there, uh, when I was there. Um, he was the equipment manager when I was there. Uh, Paul Kelly was a guy who, he was sort of the, uh, I don't know what his title was. He was like the ops guy, or mm-hmm. something football admin guy. Um, he came in with Bruce, I believe, and was Bruce's right-hand man dating back to uh, other places. So I was always surprised he managed to stick around as long as he did. Mm-hmm. But the, the 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 one side of the organization is clearly trying to purge the other side. And I should say, as I say these things, that um, I didn't know Paul Kelly well. Anders was a good guy. So while they're trying to purge uh, people who were there, it doesn't necessarily mean they were all bad. Um, but but it's interesting. They really are trying to totally clean house. And yet Snyder is sitting here just clinging on by his fingernails. It's crazy. Does this end with you coming back as like the the VP of corporate communications or something? Um, no, I, I, I'm, I, I'm not certain about a lot of things in this world, but I feel like I can say that with almost absolute confidence. No, I would uh, not be making my way back there ever under any circumstances. Okay, I'm going to make a transition. And I'm just going to mention, instead of throwing it to a break or a sponsor, have you noticed, like I listen to a lot of Ringer pods, have you noticed that they'll like say coming up after the break and then they'll have that like transition sound and there will be no ad and then they'll just go right into whatever was after the break? Yes, I have noticed that. It, I always assume it's some weird licensing or marketing thing with one of those automated pre-roll or post-roll companies. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's very weird. It's uh, really also- awkward. I'm like, don't they just have like filler ads they could put in there? It makes me think that like they're really hard up for sponsorship. Well, they can't be that hard up for sponsorship because if I have to listen to Joe House talk about uh, Bolt 24 one more time, I am going to like eat a pen or something. I don't know. It's it's. I find their live reads, especially when it's not a live read, it's a pre-recorded read, but by somebody who is not a professional ad reader, I find it excruciating. Also, do you listen to anything where um, the guys from The Athletic are advertising like um, – uh, gummy CBD gummies and, and oh, yeah. clothing. Uh-huh. <laughs> Some of those CBD gummies ads make me irrationally angry. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know the guy doing them. I have no like past relationship with him or his work, but like I listen to them and I want to like delete the podcast from the universe, not just from my phone. Ugh, I'm trying to feel what, what is your issue with the CBD? Is it, are you just like, does it get you high? <laughs> yes. Yes. That is my, my abject frustration. No, my frustration is like the commercial, the guy's like trying to do like shtick and it's, and he's some, he's some guy from the athletic. I don't know who he is. It's like, just do the ad read, just read the copy, read the call to action. Tell me your stupid promo code and like move on with your life. I'm not going to be entertained by your ad. So just, just try to end it quickly, please. We don't have any sponsors. That dude who sold, sells real estate in uh, Northern Virginia didn't didn't re up, uh, so we don't have any sponsors. Um, moving on, sounds good. The Washington Wizards. This is your favorite segment. Is the Wizards segment? <laughs> yeah. This is. This is where I, I get to sound really in. confused. I just want to check in. It's been a month uh, before the season when they got Westbrook for Beal. I mean for Wall. Pardon me. I was pretty excited because I was like. Westbrook for Wall, more or less straight up. There was like a weak draft pick thrown into the Rockets. Westbrook for Wall, more or less straight up, to me, was like clearly in Washington's favor. And pairing Westbrook with Beal and whatever other trash the Wizards have seemed to be like a 45 to 50 win team that would be a pretty solid playoff team in the East. Then the season happened. 
and they went three and 12 to start and everybody got COVID and Westbrook was just looked washed from, from the jump. Beal was awesome as he always is. He's leading the NBA in scoring, but they were three and 12. Meanwhile, the Rockets were on fire. John Wall looked better than he'd looked in years and the trade just looked like a disaster. However, over the last month, the Wizards have gone 11 and eight. Westbrook's looking good. Better than he was. The Rockets lost like 13 in a row or something crazy like that after the James Harden trade and Wall's grumbling in Houston. Um, Washington, you know, over this stretch, basically over this, you know, 19 game stretch is on a 47 and a half win pace over the course of a full season. They've gotten back into the playoff mix. They're still like a game and a half out at the all-star break. But if they keep playing like this, they'll they'll be pretty firmly in that like seven eight seed range, despite the the terrible start. And it's pretty much exactly as you figured it would be with Beal and Westbrook. Uh, so yeah, I'm in a happy place with the Wizards right now. Thoughts? Do you think Do you think it will last? I think if they stay healthy, I think if Beal and Westbrook stay healthy, like a, a healthy Beal and Westbrook paired together again with trash, is probably a playoff team but not a contender i mean definitely not a contender almost certainly a playoff team um what i'm concerned about is like Rui doesn't seem to be making like any sort of leap like Rui just seems like kind of like just just a guy who can who can play in the nba but isn't going to be a star denny continues to be encouraging uh he's so young and doesn't get a lot of usage so it's like Hard to say if he's going to be a star player or not, but he definitely looks like he belongs. Um, and there's a lot, you know, other guys you could talk about. But one kind of bummer is like Thomas Bryant, who is their center, uh, got hurt. I think it was an ACL early in the year, and they could really use him because Robin Lopez, who truly looks like a Neanderthal, but like a giant Neanderthal, is is getting like all their time at center, and it's rough. But you need to have that weird-looking guy. I mean, that's just kind of the rules. You need to have that one quirky, long-haired dude. So it's important that he's filling that role. Yeah. So anyways, I'm happy with the Wizards. It was brutal. Like, the start was so very Wizards to, like, trade Wall and then have Wall take off and Westbrook just, like, drag them down. And it was just a really, really bad first month. Um, But now, yeah, like, this is good. This is good Wizards stuff. This is, like, as good as it's been in a few years. I've been struggling to understand what it is that I want from basketball because so the wizards, I find it hard to watch and I don't know why I just feel like there's no identity. Maybe now, maybe if they, you know, become the Beal and, and Westbrook show and that starts, that becomes fun. Maybe there'll be something to watch, but like, you know, my other basketball team that I somewhat follow is, is Maryland men's basketball. Um, and I am definitely of the group that thinks that Mark Turgeon is a deeply uninspiring coach and that the team under him is weirdly unwatchable, but I can't put my finger on why it's just, again, it feels like there's no identity, you know, they're just, they're, they're not, you know, Gary Williams's teams were characterized by their sort of like dumb, scrappy underdog grit and hard work kind of thing. And then the whole Gary Williams thing, and at least there was something there, you know, and yeah, I, I don't know. So my question for you, I guess, is, is this me? Is, is this a shortcoming of me internally? Or do I just happen to be following two identity boring basketball teams? 
Well, I think Maryland post Gary has been pretty boring. I mean, they've been solid, you know, they kind of make the tournament and they, I think they're kind of headed towards making it as a low seed this year, but it's pretty boring. And also well, like this year specifically, like watching college basketball with no fans sucks. It's real. it really takes away from the college game. NBA doesn't matter. <laughs> like, I don't think it matters. It especially doesn't matter with the wizards, but yeah, I mean, like is a Maryland game really a Maryland game if you don't have like the wall of students and you know it's like just kind of boring yeah I don't know I, I feel like the if the product on the field were interesting maybe it wouldn't wouldn't be uh I don't know, you remember when Florida Gulf Coast had that random dunk city. run yeah had that dunk city run it was like who could possibly care less about Florida Gulf Coast but that was a team with an identity and it was like fun I just I, I want I want a team Actually, same with the football team. I feel like all of our teams, with the exception of the Caps, who I think we're going to get to next, are just these like weird sort of plotting identityless teams. Well, the Wizards. I mean, you definitely. So Westbrook is fun because he's just like a maniac, Um, and Beal is the best scorer in the NBA. I mean, it's it's absurd how good Bradley Beal is at scoring the basketball. It's wild. Uh, Mike Prada, former Blog Show intern, Mike Prada. Uh, wrote a really long thing. He's on like Substack now. He was at SB Nation for a while. I wrote a really long thing last week about how Beal's like superpower. Everybody thinks Beal is like this Ray Allen type player who's just an incredible shooter. But his superpower is really his ability to finish in traffic. And it's not because he's a vertical leaper and crazy dunker. And he's plus he's only 6'3". It's that he's an awesome horizontal leaper. He's like a triple jumper. <laughs> like he, he can go from like the perimeter to the rim and finish in traffic. I mean, dude, he's averaging like 33 a game. He averaged 30 last year. This is, this is like, this is like the best wizard ever. It's amazing. He's, he's just a great player. So that's the identity. Is All right, well, that, that's a compelling thing to watch for Mike, Mike, uh, I think it's Prada, isn't it? And it doesn't matter either way. He, um, I mean, he, he was is, an intern. We didn't, we didn't bother learning his name. Well, I don't blame you. He's another one from my very small, school here who is somehow wound up in the periphery of sports media it's very strange um anyway okay so so you are like my i'm on a you know text thread with my brothers and dad that's mostly about the capitals and if i bring up the wizards they basically like tell me to fuck off like they, they could they could they're like actively detest the nba and, and the washington wizards uh maryland basketball is okay but yeah they don't, they don't like the whiz they love the caps uh personally and i think you and i think our listeners could, could could guess this i don't really follow the caps that closely until the playoffs and then i watch pretty much every second so right now they're mid-season they're like seventh in the points standings overall for the whole league so you know whatever they are fourth in the east or whatever they are um seems pretty solid <laughs> couldn't tell you much beyond that yeah, looks good. Uh, Alexander Ovechkin, always fun to watch. He, he is. It's so rare that somebody is every bit as good as they're supposed to be, especially in this town. And uh, he's just a pleasure to watch. But I agree. Uh, I think both basketball and hockey for me. Uh, I just I, the the number of games. It, it's not quite up to the baseball level where it becomes just part of the eternal background, and it's not at the football level where it's like once a week and you get really up for it. It's right in this middle ground where it's like. And not frequent enough for me to watch and, you know, too frequent for me to think that it's special. So I just wait for the playoffs in both cases. Well, especially with the Caps, because they've made the playoffs for like 12 years in a row and they're pretty firmly in the mix. 
And what are the stakes? Does it matter in hockey if you're the one seed or the eight seed? Not really. It matters maybe the matchup, the specific matchup that you get, but that isn't necessarily based on the standing. So what are the stakes of these 82 regular season games if you're looking like a playoff team? I mean, it's staying healthy, finding your finding your mojo, your identity. You know, it's just kind of a slog. Um, and it's, there's enjoyable moments, you know, like, oh, she had an incredible goal. Tom Wilson got in two fights and boarded some dude and got a seven-game suspension the other night in Boston. You know, there's, there's these moments. But overall, I find it pretty uninteresting to, like, tune in, you know, and, and follow the whole season. Agreed. Okay. So that's the caps. <laughs> <laughs> and I miss Braden Holdby. I just not because the new guy's a problem. Just, you know, Braden Holdby was a good dude. Like that yeah. guy. So I'm in a Nats game wearing Birkenstocks once. I liked it. That's all it takes. Uh, the Nats. The Nats are in a weird place because it's like they're basically the reigning World Series champions. Like, sorry, Dodgers, but it was a <laughs> tiny season. Um, <laughs> they call, oh, I know what it was. Uh, people call Trevor Bauer, who won the Cy Young last year, they call his Cy Young Award the, uh, like the Mickey Mouse Cy Young. I don't even know why, because the season didn't have anything to do with Disney World. But, yeah, the Mickey Mouse Sion. But the, the Nationals won the World Series last full season. And then last year was awful. Uh, and this year they're predicted to be, like, kind of good. Like, an 84-and-a-half win team is the Vegas prediction. Pretty much every projection I've seen has them in third place in the division behind the Braves, who are awesome, and the Mets, who could be awesome. Um, so, yeah, I'm feeling a little weird about this season, in part because it's I feel like the success or failure of the team is so reliant upon a few key players. Like, on the in the lineup, it's Soto and Turner are awesome. Soto and Turner are, like, MVP-caliber guys. And then there's a bunch of question marks. And then in the rotation, it's, like, Scherzer and Strasburg. Awesome. But Scherzer's getting old. Strasburg didn't pitch last year. So there's just, you know, it it could be a really good season. Like, they've got it in them to contend. But I could also see this being, like, a tough tough season. I I don't know. I'm I'm at the point where if we actually get a baseball season, which obviously we're going to because we got one last year. If we got one last year, we're going to get one this year. But if we get a baseball season where the stadium's open in any capacity – that's all I really want. Like baseball for me, I enjoy being at the games, enjoy hanging yeah. out, I enjoy yeah. just the experience. And if we can get that, uh, like everything else is just kind of gravy. I'm still – do you remember in Bill Simmons's early days when he would argue that if your team wins a uh, title, you, you don't get to complain about anything for five years, which turned out to be the exact opposite of his actual approach. But that was his theory anyway. Good um, luck not complaining about your team for five years. Yeah, seriously. Well, especially if you're Bill Simmons. Uh, yeah. But anyway, I – I, that is kind of where I am with the Nats. Like I'm, yeah. I am, I agree with you. I'm still high off of two years ago. Um, I would love to see them be successful again, but I, I feel like I've got at least one or two more mediocre years in me before I start to get cranky about it. Like yeah. that was so great. That, that world series was so great. Um, <laughs> you know, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> it's it like so great. good. You know, with the same, kind of the same with the caps too. Like the playoff and Stanley cup run was so great that now it's like, you know, the stakes, the stakes feel a little lower in part because of that too. Um, the Nats, it, it, I think it'll be interesting 
like I'm highlighting the top four like studs that are, you know, on the marquee, but like they added Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber who both hit like 35 home runs two years ago. And then we're not that great in the short year. Those are like their third and fourth best hitters. So they're, they're like big wild cards. Uh, they added Castro last year who didn't do much, but he's like a four time all-star he's in the lineup. So there's a lot of, you know, it's like, it could be a good lineup around Soto and Turner, but it could also be like exceedingly average. I would recommend everyone read the New York Times piece on Trey Turner that was published last week about him being the fastest man in baseball. And the metric there is like fastest on the base paths, you know, the measurable. Um, something I didn't realize though is that not only is he the fastest man in baseball and like a good shortstop, um, he had a higher batting average on base percentage and slugging percentage than Fernando Tatis Jr. last year. Tatis Jr. is like the biggest star in the game right now based on how amazingly good he was at the plate last year. And Turner was better than him in every way. I'm, does, any, does anybody realize this? Does anybody even like know that Trey Turner is, is like a supreme badass baseball player? I feel like he's sort of regarded as just a guy. Yeah, no, I did not realize that. And I certainly didn't realize that he's faster on the base paths than Billy Hamilton. That's insane to me. How do they explain? It was, like, it was basically like timing, like literally on the base paths, like timing from, you know, first to second on a steal or, or from like home to second on a double or, or whatever it was. They were only measuring like speed in a like game situation on the base huh. paths. Weird. And yeah. He was, he was there. Now, oh, I think it might have been like, you might have had to hit like a threshold of like, you know, you have to be like an everyday player who actually gets on base. <laughs> so I don't know if Billy Hamilton qualifies. Maybe. maybe. He I, I don't know. Because there's I, certain guys. There's like Jared Dyson, I think his name is. He's like, he was like the famed like pinch runner for the Royals in the World Series uh, like five years ago. Like he may, maybe he's faster. I don't know. But all he does is like pinch run. <clears throat> Okay, so that's the Nats. Anything else on the Nats? No, but if I'm being honest, I when you started talking about it, I actually had to Google to find out when opening day was. So that's how detached I still am from baseball. So just, just right, wanted so, to be transparent there. Oh, and the, on the O's, who I still have an interest in, um, in case your dog was wondering, the O's have literally zero chance at the playoffs. They're 0.0% um, from what I've seen. So that's great. <laughs> the O's are those are in a place right now where the Nats were like ten years ago. And they basically have um, the worst team every year. The the zero point zero thing I've been wondering about because that that has the feel to me of something where like, I mean, you could really make some hay of that in in your clubhouse and say like, you know, make zero point zero shirts and stickers. Like I hope to buy something like that from Breaking Tea this year. That's all. Well, we probably will when they win. This is one of my favorite things about the beginning of the baseball season is like the worst team in the league could beat the best team in a three game series and everyone in Baltimore would be freaking out, you know, and wearing 0.0 shirts. Right. Whatever. Well, and, and baseball <laughs> you know, is also by the end of April. You're like five games back. <laughs> yeah. And the start of baseball is also the ultimate on a pace. Uh, you know, people right. who like the on a pace bit, it, there's nothing better than baseball. Because, uh, yeah. you know, somebody who hits a home run in the first game is immediately on a pace for 162 or whatever. Anyway. Carl, Carl, Carl Tuffy Rhodes was an opening day for the Cubs. He was on pace for 500 homers. Yep. Um, all right. So that's enough about sports. Let's quickly get into WandaVision. The finale really annoyingly dropped 
on Thursday night, late Thursday night, as Disney Plus likes to do. So I had to avoid spoilers all day Friday. Finally watched this weekend. Uh, this show is very not very much not for me. But what yeah, do you think? <laughs> I, I thought the show was very much not for you also. Um, I thought they dropped the ball a little bit on the end. Um, but I will say this, is that, you know, my whole household is into it. My whole household likes Marvel. So we reached the point where we were waking up at like six in the morning on Fridays to watch it so that we didn't have to worry about spoilers, especially because like my son watches so many YouTube videos that he yeah. can't. He can't yeah. avoid spoilers, um, like physically. Uh, so, and 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 my daughter loved it. She was ecstatic. She said she thought it landed exactly as um, she wanted them to, and she was happy. So, to me, that was a success. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a a good show. Um, I there were things that could have been better. There were things that they dropped at the end that I thought they sort of half-assed, but I, I was satisfied in the end. I mean, where did you, where did you peak your, where did your interest peak and where did you totally fall off? Well, I would say like, I never really enjoyed this show. Like I never at any point enjoyed watching this show, nor did it ever command my full attention. Like I was pretty much always looking at my phone or doing work or, I don't know, actually talking to my children or whatever. Um, I just didn't really, just didn't really pull me in and watching it was a bit of a slog. Like I, I, it wasn't like I was waking up at 6am on Friday mornings. Let's put it that way. Uh, I just stuck with it though. Cause I really enjoy the content. <laughs> like I enjoy the content around the show. I, and I'm not even a Marvel universe person, but I, I just like knowing like, what's up. Well, I mean, it, it, it was one of those ones where if you wanted to understand, I would say like 60% of the memes that were generated in the last, you know, six weeks or whatever, you had to be watching or at least aware of what was going on in the show. So the one, the one of, uh, of Catherine Hahn winking with her mouth, like way wide open. Uh, I, I, I really love that one. And I, I love in, I love it in part because like, if you haven't been watching the show, there's no clues in that, you know, freeze frame as to what the hell you're looking at. So multiple people I've in my life have been like, what is that meme? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, it's just a character from WandaVision winking. <laughs> yes, obviously. I yeah. also, I enjoyed the, uh, all the memes that were riffing on the, uh, what is, what is grief, but love persevering and replacing, you know, what is, what is cheese, but milk persevering, like that kind of thing. That was, <laughs> I, I enjoyed those. I thought that was funny. I don't know. That was, that, that was a, that was a great line, by the way. I, mean, I, I feel like it jumped out at me, made me look up when it happened. And then I probably like experienced it in some way in my timeline. Like it, it, there was reference to it consistently for the week after that episode. Well, it went, it turned, it, it ran, it, it got run through the full car wash of, of mm -hmm. discourse where it was lauded. Then it was mocked for being lauded. Then it was mocked for people taking it too seriously and therefore mocking it. Then it was memed. Then it was, you know, we went through the whole thing. Yeah. I, I felt like, I feel like you and I actually, despite being on almost opposite poles, both approached this show in the best possible way, which was, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. They didn't do some of the things I hoped they would, but it was okay. I was happy with it. You didn't care. It was fine. You know, it, it existed. It was what it was. But there were people who were so, um, some people really wanted to see their theories come true and felt super let down. Some people uh, have this weird, like, 
thing where it's, you know, Marvel's too controls too much of the mental brain space and it's annoying and therefore we hate this. And it was just like a lot of people got weirdly upset for a variety of reasons. And it's nice for us to both be people who are like, yep, TV show well, happened. <laughs> well, the, uh, the finale my wife watched with me and it was the only part of the show that she watched. And first of all, it had like a lot of kind of like superhero-y like fighting action stuff. Yes. You know, the two witches like doing whatever the fuck they're doing, like hexing each other and know what they were doing is just like back and the two visions like pummeling each other and whatever. Like like that whole extended action, like I it does nothing for me. Does nothing. Absolutely nothing. I just want it to be over. I'm almost like fast forwarding. And this is why I never watch any Marvel movies. And also I question like, you know, my stereotypical like manhood. <laughs> you know, like what because I'm pretty much like into all the things that idiot dudes are into, like sports and beer and guitar. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't care about like action superhero shit. Like I not even just superhero movies, but like action movies. Like I just don't respond to it. So, yeah, it's making me question some things. Well, it's interesting because I don't respond to the superhero action shit. I think it's I think it's totally dumb. And and what I liked best about WandaVision was that in each of the stupid superhero fights, it was resolved in a non-typical superhero fight way. It wasn't like, you know. The Vision one was kind of cool. I like yeah. that. Where he was basically like out-logicking the robot or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah that was that, that was fun and there was there was some fun stuff and i liked that you know they did a re i thought from a storytelling perspective they did a really good job setting up the the stakes for wanda that she had a choice she could you know keep her sort of weird imaginary family or mm -hmm. save these people so like it's really clear stakes really clear choice they had the thing where she made the wrong choice first and then she you know came to terms with it and accepted like i liked all that but you're right the parts where people are running around zapping each other with colored beams is stupid and it's always stupid but i find it really different from an action movie like in the sense of i don't know john wick or mission impossible even or something like mm -hmm. I find those much more viscerally engaging than superhero fights. Superhero fights are dumb. I'm with you. Um, also, I tried to explain the show to my wife, and just, I mean, I, I almost I needed to like call a friend. <laughs> You're like, listen, here's six hours of binge mode to uh, help set you straight on this. Well, um, also, where I really got tripped was like. You know, it was really cool earlier in the season when, like, each episode was a different, like, genre of sitcom going from, like, the 60s through, like, Modern Family. And she's like, why? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I'm not, I, don't, I really have no idea. It was, like, something about her childhood with some VHS tapes, I think. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it seemed to me that what they were trying to say was it was two things at once. It was, you know, it was her going back to her happy place, which was watching TV, as it is for so many of us. Uh, and I think in part they were trying to say something about how the American sitcom has gotten progressively darker and more something, something, grief, question mark. Uh, but who knows? Who can like that? But that was that was like the, that was probably the part that I liked the most about this show was the, the like period pieces. I like, oh, here's the full house episode or whatever. And I couldn't really explain like what that even was. But anyway. Well, but what I will say is the reason I think it's your favorite part is because it's at least visually interesting. It's not just. Yeah. CGI people being CGI blobs at each other, which is nice. Um, Anything else on WandaVision? Uh, 
Technically, no, but kind of. So what I'm curious to see, and you are part of this question, is what happens with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is the next Marvel show on Disney Plus, which I think I don't think it's this week. I think it's next week that it starts. Um, it looks much more sort of mainstream action movie, buddy comedy, uh, much less um, even right. trying to be deep. Um, and I'm curious. I saw like see- a bad boys comp, like somebody compared it to like bad boys vibes. Yeah, I think that's probably that, about, I mean, that's right. what that Will Smith Martin uh, Lawrence show or movie was called, right? Bad Boys. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there was sorry, three I was having a brain. I was having a brain block. No, you nailed it. Um, so I'm curious to see if that captures the discourse the same way because I just I can't imagine it doing that. But then again, I didn't think WandaVision was going to do that, so who knows? But I, I'm curious to see that. But anything else on WandaVision? No, that was fun. I enjoyed it. Goodbye. Uh, and, I, and I will give Falcon Winter Soldier a try for sure. Um, I don't know what else is like driving the content machine these days from a TV show standpoint. Uh, next up is my prediction is it's going to be the Snyder cut of the Justice League movie on HBO Max. That that will be that will drive the nerd content industry for sure. I don't know if it'll mm-hmm. spill over or not, um, but that's that's what nerdetry will be about for the next few weeks. Uh, the other thing I watched recently, I just want to mention is Nomadland. Have you seen Nomadland? I have not, but you are the second person to recommend it to me, and you are could not be a more different demographic than the last person who recommended it to me. So I'm interested to hear this. It must be must be good. <laughs> I can't even remember which service it's on. Hulu, Amazon. I, I, don't think, know. It's, uh, I think it's Hulu, I think, maybe. But it's like, you know, feature film, uh, Francis McDormand. I think it won a pretty major Golden Globe Award. I can't remember if it was like best drama. I, I don't know. Pretty major, <laughs> uh, which I don't even understand. I feel like it won the Golden Globe like before it even came out. I, d- I don't get how awards work. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, if you have Hulu, like it's just there for you. It's like free. You just just check it out. It's like two hours. It's very slow. It's very beautiful. It's super tender and raw. Like, basically, you know, I, I don't. I won't get the whole plot, but it's, you know. Uh, older woman i don't know what she is francis mcdormand playing an older woman you know she's in her 60s or whatever uh widow her town you know factory shut down in fact the town's pretty much not a town anymore and through a sequence of events like she hits the road and lives out of her van and she's just kind of going around the american west and spending you know seasons in different places and national parks and deserts and kind of becomes part of this community of nomads uh, it's almost not as interesting as that sounds because that sounds kind of like adventurous, uh, but it's just beautiful. Like visually it's beautiful and emotionally. I mean, a lot of the people that she spends time with and that get spend time on screen are not actors uh, or they're acting, but they're not professional actors. They're real life nomads uh, that are featured in this. And it's just... Yeah, I mean, it sticks with you. It sticks to your ribs. I am intrigued to maybe watch it. Every time you say Nomad, I think Wanderer, Vagabond, uh, Call Me What You Will, and I cannot get it out of my head. It is driving me insane. And I believe it's 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 Chloe, what's her name, right? The, the writer-director is Chloe Zhao or something like that? Yes, and I couldn't remember her name, but she's like she is like a, uh, a hot list director. Yeah. yeah, and then I think her next film is a Marvel movie that is of a property that is so esoteric and kind of 
uh, unappealing to me that it makes WandaVision's pitch sound <laughs> like a no-brainer four-quadrant Grand Slam. So, like, uh, intrigued to see what happens with that. Um, I'll yeah. check out Nomadland for sure. Yeah, my, my wife didn't watch it because I gave her the pitch and she's like, that just sounds sad. <laughs> it wasn't that sad. It was more just like really tender. Yeah, I, I don't know. It was affecting. I have to say, I don't even know if in all the years that we've been, you know, internet friends or real mm -hmm. friends or, or podcast people or whatever, whatever we are, I don't think I've ever even met your wife. And mm -hmm. the more we talk about pop culture, the less I can pin down what it is that she likes. Um, so I'm, I'm <laughs> deeply fascinated by this. Are you familiar with Netflix's run through rom-com-esque uh, series lately, like Firefly Lane? <laughs> Um, no, but I, I feel like I should check it out. Well, yeah, zero in on that and you'll have a taste. <laughs> well, my, my wife has been watching um, Jane the Virgin, which she did not see the first time through. So she's been sort of just steadily plowing through that. And it's been, it's been something. I, it's funny. I'll be like, I'll be like, hey, uh, have you heard about this new thing? Like something will pop up on my radar. I'll be like, Emily in Paris, have you heard about that? And she's like, yeah, I watched it three months ago. <laughs> Well, go yeah. figure. Oh well. Um, all right. Anything else? Um, no. When do we, what? What's going to be our trigger for reconvening? You think? You think it's going to be Snyder gets forced out? Do you think it's going to be team signs quarterback? Do you think it's not going to be till the draft? What's your prediction? I think it's going to be team makes flurry of free agent acquisitions, and we will hopefully get to talk about them acquiring like Curtis Samuel or Allen Robinson and a linebacker or whoever you know, some collection of players. That's probably going to be in like two weeks. But we'll All see. Right. I like that. I like the idea of talking in two weeks. We can do free agency and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It'll be just a thrilling right, podcast. Fun. Yeah. Good catch Talk up to you later. Later. Yeah. Peace. Bye.